Are you obsessed with your shoes? If not, then you probably don't have Rothy's. Because when you have shoes that are comfortable, washable, and come in tons of styles and colorways, obsession is basically mandatory. There's a Rothy's shoe for every occasion. Flats, sneakers, loafers, ankle boots, and more. Step up your shoes this spring with a new pair of Rothy's. For a limited time, get $20 off your first purchase when you go to rothys.com comfort. That's $20 off at rothys.com comfort. Bundling car and renter's insurance with GEICO is so easy, your neighbors are probably already doing it. But who? Look for the signs. Chances are they live in a home and have a car. They use money and enjoy having more of it. They probably drink lots of lemonade. Mmm, lemonade. And they've probably said something suspicious like, I'm bundling with GEICO or stop spying on me with those binoculars. If so, you may want to ask them how easy it was to bundle with GEICO. Bundling is easy with GEICO. Just ask your neighbors. Hello there and welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking. And as per usual, we shall start off with a little bit of housekeeping from this week, or from last week's episode. Firstly, I want to say hello to Ava, my new Patreon. Thank you very much for supporting us here at This Week in History. I always say us as if I have someone else who does it with me. But unless I have my dad on the show, it is just me. This is all me. So, yeah, thank you from myself. Uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for paying a a little bit more than what you had to to get the episodes, you know. Um, I appreciate that. It, It means a lot. So thank you very much. And I hope you enjoy the Patreon episodes there for you. Now, last week's episode... We did a little bit on some of the fighters from the Second World War. Now, I did a complete new structure, and I think it showed a little bit. I've re-listened to the episode, and there are parts of it that I think weren't as good as they could have been. So I'm going to try and get a bit of a better structure this week to this episode. I'm also going to try and be a little less biased and we again we're going to be scoring on three categories. Now this week we are talking about the bombers, the bomber aircraft of World War 2. And we shall be looking at them from every army. Now I will be scoring out of three categories like I said. The first category shall be firepower, i.e. what bombs could it carry, how many, the payload, etc., etc. One shall be range i.e. how far could this bomber realistically fly before it had to turn around and come back, and also how aesthetically pleasing this bomber is to look at, i.e. how nice is it, is it cool, is it a nice looking one, or does it look like a bag of shit. So that's what we're going to be judging out of, and this week we're going to start with For me, possibly one of the most famous aircraft of the Second World War. And that is the B-17 Flying Fortress. Now, this is one of um, 
the United States bombers. And it was possibly one of the most famous bombers in the Second World War. It was actually produced in April 1938, and it was used right up until the end of the Second World War in 1945. It was used by the United States Air Force and also by the Royal Air Force. Uh, and it would, they built roughly 12,000 of these bombers. The actual total, 12,731 of these bombers. Now, the B-17 was basically a strategic bomber. So it was part of the bombing campaigns into the Second World War. Uh, obviously, when America joined slightly later, um, this was part of the Allied attempts on Germany. It did see some action over in, in the Pacific, in Asia, um, but it was strategic bombing. The B-17 was a symbol of American power. It was called the Fortress, the Flying Fortress, because of its ability to withstand such heavy firepower. It was almost impossible to shoot these out of the sky. Now, this aircraft had a crew of 10, which was a pilot, co-pilot, navigator, bombardier, nose gunner, flight engineer, top turret gunner, radio operator, two waste gunners, and a ball gunner, and a tail gunner. So they had a few weapons on board this plane. And, as the name might suggest, the Flying Fortress was huge. It had a wingspan of 103 foot, or 31.62 metres, it was not a small aircraft. It was powered by four uh, Cyclone Turbo Supercharged radial engines, which were three propelled. It had a maximum speed of 287 miles per hour and a cruising speed of 182 miles per hour. So for a big aircraft, not a bad speed. The range on this aircraft was around 2,000 miles uh, and that is fully loaded. So this, you know, we, we're going to look on fully loaded. Um, 2,000 miles is quite impressive when you think of how much was actually weighing these aircrafts down. Now, this is where it gets interesting. The guns it had on board. It had 13 half-inch M2 Browning machine guns in nine positions. Two in the turret, two on the cheeks two staggered waist guns, two in the upper turret, and two in the ball turret, two in the tail, and one firing upwards from the radio compartment behind the bomb bay. So 13 weapons on board. It could also carry, for short-range missions, £8,000 worth of explosives. For long-range missions, £4,500 worth of explosives. So quite a lot of firepower in this. So when we look at the B-52, I'm going to start with the aesthetics. Now, aesthetically, I think it is a nice-looking aircraft. I think it's 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 got a lot of nice lines to it. It's not as straight-edged as most American aircraft of this time. I personally prefer the green khaki colour to the shiny silver mirrored effect. So I've I mentioned that in the last episode. I think. Aesthetically, you've got to score this around a 7. Um, I think it's not bad. It's not bad. Um, but there are nicer looking aircraft out there. Um, with a range of 2,000, uh, again, it's pretty good. Top speed of 287. 
Um, for that, again, I think I think realistically you'd be scoring that an eight. It's it's pretty good, uh, pretty good speed, pretty good um, miles per gallon or miles to the to the full tank. Um, yeah, not bad, not bad there for the B fifty two. Um, in regards to its weapons, um, I think it's going to be a nine. Thirteen machine guns, eight thousand pounds worth of bombs. I'm going to give that a nine. Um, and there is only one on this list that will be getting a ten. So pretty good scores all round there. Seven, eight, and nine, and that gives the B fifty two a total of twenty four. So yeah, I'm going to be quite happy with that score. I think that's a fair result. Now I'm going to have a look at possibly, to me personally, the best, uh, the best for a British person, the uh, the Arvo Lancaster. Now the Lancaster is probably the most famous bomber of the Second World War. It was responsible for many raids in Germany. It was part of strategic bombing campaigns. It was the aircraft that did the Dam Busters mission, and like I said. Living in Lincolnshire in England, the Lancaster bomber is part of the culture here. It is 617 Squadron is just down the road from me, and that was Bomber Command uh, in Lincoln. So it's a very, very important aircraft for the British. It's a heavy bomber. Now, the first flight of this aircraft was 1941, and it was actually rolled out in 1942. So it didn't actually last very long, this aircraft. It, it didn't come into effect until midway through the year. Yeah, midway through the year, sorry, midway through the war. And this was an extremely important aircraft for the British because before this we didn't have a heavy bomber that could do what the Lancaster could. Uh, it was used in our Royal Air Force, the Royal Australian Air Force and the Royal Canadian Air Force. It was actually, uh, they actually built 7,377 of these aircraft. So they weren't, um, massive, they weren't as massively produced as some of the others. But again, they were produced halfway through the Second World War. So that's 7,000 in half of a war, rather than sort of 9,000 throughout an entire course of a war. So, um, you know, possibly they would have built more had they introduced this uh, aircraft earlier. Now, the Arvo Lancaster had seven crew members. That was a pilot, first engineer, navigator, bomber, nose gunner, wireless operator, and then mid, upper, and rear gunners. So, the Arvo Lancaster, here we go. The specifications, a maximum speed of 282 miles per hour, so slightly slower than the B-52. It had a range of 2,530 miles, so 500 miles more than the B-52. The weapons on board, now it had a total of 10 0.303-inch machine guns, so they were less powerful machine guns than were on the B-52, but they were in specification for every other aircraft we're going to talk about. Um, so they had... Two in the turret, uh, two in the upper turret, four in the rear, and they also had two that were from like a periscope on the, on, a, on just another turret that was, it was almost like a periscope. So a total of 10 machine guns. The Lancaster had a maximum payload of 14,000 pounds in the bomb bay. So quite big, uh, quite a, 
powerful amount and, and definitely more bomb capacity than the B-52. So let's get on to scoring. Now the Lancaster to me has that beautiful design and the paint job, uh, the camouflage paint job that was on all British aircraft at this time, I think is the best looking aircraft of the lot of what we're going to talk about today i think the lancaster is the best looking so i am actually going to score the lancaster a 10 for its looks when we're talking about the range and speed now that like i said the speed was slightly lower than the b52 but it did have 500 miles more range now 500 miles is a massive amount compared to the five miles per hour difference on the top speed now, for the B-52, we scored it an 8, and I think on this basis, I have to score this an 8 as well, because, well, because I am, because that's what I'm scoring it, whether you like it or not. For the weapons on board, I think this is going to be a bit of a hard one. Now, for the B-52, we scored it a 9. I think for the Lancaster... Again, it's going to have to be a nine. And the reason for that is ten machine guns as opposed to eighteen, uh, as opposed to thirteen. But it could carry six thousand pounds more bombs. And on that basis, it's going to have to be a nine. And that gives the Lancaster a total score of twenty-seven. We're going to go to Nazi Germany now, and we're going to look at the Henkel He one eleven. Now, Germany didn't have very many heavy bombers in the second world war they strategically bombed places that were easy to get to and on that basis they used medium bombers or fighter bombers in basically to to get air superiority over the british and over the french etc they used this because it gave them a little bit more speed a little bit more precision and they weren't as heavy and bulky they were easier to get out of the way they were harder to shoot down. The Henkel 111 was probably one of the most famous for the Germans. It was introduced in 1935. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, that's two years after Hitler came to power. And it was retired from the Luftwaffe at the end of the war in 1945. They built a total of 6,508 111s. So again, not a massive amount, but... The thing with the German Air Force at this time is they didn't lose that many aircraft at the start of the war. The Battle of Britain was a defining moment for Britain. It was not a defining moment for Germany. It just meant that they couldn't invade the way they wanted to. This being a slightly smaller bomber, this was essential for the Germans in the Blitz. The Blitz is something that we will be covering because for us British... It's huge. It's a massive part of our history, the Blitz of London. Um, growing up, I heard stories from my nan, from my grandma, uh, from my granddad as well. Because uh, obviously I'm born just outside of London and they used to grow up seeing the fires in central London, hearing the uh, the air raid sirens go off as the Germans came over. So it's something that is quite important to us British is the Blitz. We do know. We know a lot about it. Now, the Henkel 111 was a smaller aircraft, like I said. It was actually only crewed by five people. The pilot, a navigator, a bombardier, a nose gunner, and a dorsal gunner. Uh, it also 
they, the dorsal gunner doubled up as a radio operator or a side gunner. So that, that rear gunner, he had a lot of work he, to jump from gun to gun and also, uh, radio as well. Had a wingspan of 22.6 meters. So it's a smaller aircraft, like I said. It was actually only powered by two, uh, two engines with three blades per propeller. So again, on that basis, you would assume that it didn't have the range as the other aircraft. Um, you would be wrong, though. It had a, a range of 1,400 miles. So, although less, it's not half. So, I would have thought that two engines would have only taken it half of what a four-engine aircraft would. It it was a little bit more than half. So, not the best. Uh, top speed of 270 miles an hour, um, which... Considering considering the Lancaster and the B-52 were around 280, it wasn't a huge amount behind. It had a decent a decent amount on it. Now, this aircraft boasted seven machine guns, uh, two in the nose, one in the dorsal, and two in the side, and two in the ventral. Um, it could be upgraded, though. So although they started with machine guns, they could be upgraded to cannons. Um, and it was upgraded on many occasions to cannons. So it's slightly more powerful, I suppose, but less guns. So you weigh up whether it's, uh, whether it works out better or worse. The Bombay, unfortunately, could only carry 4,400 pounds. So it wasn't the most powerful aircraft. Aesthetically, a very nice looking aircraft. But when we're talking about bombers, I think the fact that it was so small is enough to knock it down a few. Because it was a smaller aircraft and it, it looked like a smaller aircraft as well. Some aircraft can be quite intimidating. I think the Lancaster, the B-52 and what we're going to talk about later, some of the aircraft uh, later were quite intimidating. I don't think the Henkel had that intimidation factor. So on that basis, I'm not going to be scoring it as high as I scored the B-52, which was a 7. I'm going to be scoring it a 6. Um, because, like I said, I just don't think I can score it as high. If it was a 4 engine, I think you'd have been looking about an 8 or a 9. It's a quite a nice looking aircraft. But taking those two engines off, just doesn't. it just doesn't look as intimidating as the rest. Now, uh, range... Range and speed. Now, for the aircraft itself, the range is not too bad. 1,400 miles, um, not the best, but then it's a smaller aircraft. So, it's a hard one to judge. Speed, pretty good for the size, so, you know, 270 miles an hour, but it is still less. So, on that basis, I'm going to have to score it less than the other two aircraft. The other two aircraft scored an 8. This one will be scored at a 7. And for the weapons on board, I mean, this, unfortunately, this is not good. Um, seven machine guns, yeah, they could be upgraded, but still, it's only seven. And you've only got three, uh, two or three gunners on board, so it doesn't matter that you've got seven guns, you haven't got seven gunners. Um, £4,000 worth of bombs, I mean, there's a reason why the Blitz of London wasn't as effective as it could have been the only reason it was effective was the fact that they had so many bombers 
Um, it wasn't because they were accurate or because they carried such heavy bombs. They was they weren't the best. Um, yeah, I really think this is going to have to be another six. So that gives it a total score of just nineteen, which is uh, good enough for last place for the Henkel HE one eleven. For this aircraft, I am going back to Britain, back to Old Blighty. Are we going to talk about the first or one of the first heavy bombers that we actually introduced? And this was called the Short Sterling. Now, the Short Sterling was an adaptation or an early version of the Arvo Lancaster. And the reason why there was only 2,371 of these built was pretty much because we didn't need them after we had the Lancaster. Now they were introduced in 1940 and they were part of the UK Air Force until 1946. They were part of bombing raids across Germany and Eastern Europe and they were a pretty decent aircraft. They weren't, they were a workhorse. They were sort of the, the ugly sister of the Lancaster, that sort of, uh, of look to them. There were four engines. They had Bristol Hercules, uh, engines in them and again, three bladed. Um, propellers on them they had pretty good size it was 30 meters 30.2 meters wingspan with a range of 2330 miles pretty average pretty decent miles again not the best um, certainly not the best when we look at the the next two aircraft uh, but they did have a decent uh, decent range on them now it had a top speed of 282 miles an hour so it matched the Lancaster pound for pound on speed. It had nine, uh, nine sorry it had eight machine guns, eight Browning machine guns, very very similar aircraft, uh, very similar weapons to what the Lancaster had just had two less of them. Two in the nose turret, four in the tail and two in the dorsal turret. And Again, not the not the greatest of aircraft. They did have seven crew members, uh, pilot and navigator, uh, second pilot, front gunner, operator, and two gunners, and a flight engineer. A lot of British aircraft had flight engineers to help out with any problems on the on the flight. They also normally doubled up as as gunners should they need to things like that they were normally dual trained but they think this goes as pretty general for most aircraft of this time the crews were not necessarily trained in just one thing they did have a wide variety of skills because people died quite regularly in the air now the sterling also had a payload of 1400 pounds exactly the same as the lancaster so when we go to scoring this and like I said before this to me is the ugly sister of the Lancaster it's it's a nice it's a nice aircraft but if you ever get to see them I mean the nose on the front it, it looks like some, it looks like it's been punched in the face um, it's a pretty it's a pretty bog standard aircraft to be honest it's not to me aesthetically very nice however it does have the good camouflage that the British aircraft had um, but I don't think I can score it any higher than a 6 for aesthetics because like I said I 
it's not the nicest looking aircraft it's that simple when we're talking about speed and range it's going to have to be exactly the same as the Lancaster which is an 8 because it pretty much matched it pound for pound when we're talking about that uh, 4 weapons on board 8 machine guns 1400 pounds the Lancaster scored a 9 for this I'm going to have to score it an 8 um, because it less machine guns but the same amount of firepower in the bomb bay um, so I'll give that an 8 because it did have less power coming out of those guns in the turrets and that puts the sterling with a total of 22 so not the best score it's good enough for third place at the moment we're going to go to japan now now japan weren't really known for their bombers um, they didn't really need them to be honest uh, their their war didn't really consist of much mainland bombing unless it was um, over in asia so we're going to talk about the GM, sorry, the G4M, the Mitsubishi G4M. Uh, this was introduced into the Japanese Air Force in 1941, and it retired in 1945. They built 2,435 of these aircraft, and again, very similar to the Germans, they were twin-engine bombers. So they weren't the best-looking um purely on that again they weren't they just weren't intimidating as the american or the british aircraft wingspan of 24.89 meters so a little bit bigger than the german he 111 but not a huge amount it had a range of 2852 miles so like all japanese aircraft of this time a very good range on them they all had pretty decent amount of range and they were all pretty good. The Japanese aircraft were very well built, very similar to how Japanese cars were built now. I think most people would agree that the Japanese probably built some of the best cars in the world, and this was no different during the Second World War. It had a top speed of 266 miles an hour, which is slightly slower than the other aircraft, but again, it did sort of... It, it's not much slower. You're not talking 50, 60 miles an hour slower... You're talking four miles an hour slower than a HE-111. So it's not a huge amount of difference. Now, it was crewed by seven. So it, for the size of the aircraft, it did fit quite a lot of people in it. it had a pilot, a co-pilot, navigator, bombardier, nose gunner. A, well, the bombardier well, sort of doubled up, to be honest. There was a navigator, bombardier, and a nose gunner. A captain and a top turret gunner. A radio operator, waste gunner, or an engine mechanic, and a tail gunner. So, seven different roles on the aircraft. Now, this aircraft, not the best when we're talking about firepower. It had six machine guns, uh, one in the tail, four in the nose turret, and two in waste positions, um, sort of side, side, uh, side fuselage, I suppose. Um, it also could only carry one bomb, and this was either a 1,892-pound bomb or a 1,764-pound bomb. It could, however, carry four 551-pound bombs um, or an aerial torpedo. So it, it had it had capability of carrying quite a bit, but in reality. The payload on this aircraft is pretty, pretty bad. Um, aesthetically, 
it's not a bad looking aircraft it's quite short and squished a bit dumpy um, and again only two engines which puts the aircraft at a six for aesthetics range and speed now we scored the Henkel HE111 at 7 I think that's a fair score for this one um, because although again it had very good range um, that speed being a little bit lower in fact I'm actually going to bump that up to an 8 because the range we're talking on the HE111 was only 1400 miles we're talking an extra 1400 miles this is double the range so I will give it an extra point for that however unfortunately the payload, the weapons on board, it's only going to be a 5. Um, it just didn't have that sort of firepower. So it is actually going to put it on par with the Henkel HE111 in last place with 19 points. We're going to move on again. We're going to Germany this time. We're going to talk about the BF110. Now, this is not normally a bomber. It's a heavy fighter but it was adapted to being a fighter bomber. On that basis, it's probably not going to score very well. Um, it was actually introduced into the Luftwaffe in 1937, and like most German aircraft at this time, it retired at the end of the war. It was a decent-looking aircraft, I'm not going to lie. It was pretty good to look at, aesthetically very nice. It had a decent paint job on it, Um Almost sort of like, uh, what well, I would say like a, an outline of what a cow would have. That sort of um, black splodges all over it. But it did look quite nice. You know, it's a decent, a decent paint job on the aircraft. It was only crewed by two or three men, so that gives you an idea on the size of the aircraft. The wingspan of sixteen point two meters. Again not an intimidating aircraft not very big and to be honest this is why it was a heavy fighter more than a light bomber um, and it kind of shows when you're looking at the statistics it had a range of just 481 miles it was a pretty poor range had a good top speed 295 miles an hour it's the second quickest in this group um, but a good speed is more of a fighter attribute than it is a bomber attribute and this is why it wasn't really it wasn't really that good um like i said it had two uh, mercedes-benz aircraft engines on it and it just didn't have a huge amount to it when you're looking at the aircraft itself it it had seven machine guns uh, on board but one of those included a mg15 machine gun for defense in other words it was it was a machine gun that was attached inside the vehicle uh, inside the aircraft sorry um it just it didn't have that much firepower but like i said it was it was a fighter it wasn't a bomber it could carry 1000 pounds at a later adaption in the bombay um and this was if it wasn't even a bombay it was two racks that were added to the wings which could each carry 500 pound bomb so just not not the best um aesthetically like i said it's only got two engines but i do like the paint job on it um so i will be giving it a seven for that i think it's a nice nice looking aircraft um but just just not the best range and top speed now the top speed although it is the fastest in this in this uh 
list, oh, sorry, not the fastest, the second fastest. Um, that range, 481 miles, I mean, that's shocking. It's, it's really, really bad. In fact, it's so bad that I'm only going to give it a four because it couldn't do anything. You know, you're literally talking about a flight from Germany to Britain and it, it pretty much got maybe a 10 minute, 10 minutes time over British airspace for it to turn around and go back. That's, that's pretty shocking to be honest and just not, not very good. Um, weapons, uh, yeah, I mean the adaptation, adding a thousand pounds worth of bombs, it's not bad. Seven machine guns, not great when you're including one that's actually inside the aircraft for if the aircraft goes down and the guys need to defend themselves. I really think you're not going to go much higher than a four for this as well, uh, which gives it a total of 11, which is last place. A list wouldn't be a list without a stupid one. So for this one, we're going to Italy. And I think the Italians took the biscuit last time, to be honest. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about the SM79 Spavero. Um, or Spavero, Eero, Eero. I don't know. I'm not Italian. You pronounce it. It's, uh, it's pretty fucking ugly. I'm not going to lie. Um, it was introduced in 1936 and retired in 1952 from the Italian Air Force. This was, um, I, I can't even describe it. Get yourselves on, online, have a look. It's, it's shocking. It, it really is. It's what, it's got a dorsal fin at the front. If anyone's seen a beluga whale, this is kind of what it looks like. So for an aircraft, that's pretty fucking ugly. Wingspan of 20 meters. Decent wingspan and a crew of six. Pilot, co-pilot, flight engineer, gunner, radio operator, bombardier and a rear gunner. Top speed of 290 miles an hour. Pretty decent top speed. I'm not going to lie. Not the, not the slowest. Uh, it's actually the third fastest in this group. So pretty, pretty decent speed. A range of 1600 miles, kind of loses a little bit there. Not, not the best, not the best range. And for weapons on board, it had five guns on board, uh, which were machine guns. They were 0.5 inch, uh, machine guns. One at the front, two at the sides, two in the back. This aircraft is a three engined aircraft. Yes, believe it or not, one on each wing and a propeller right at the front. It's diabolical. Uh, it had a bomb load capacity of 2,645 pounds. Yeah, it also had two external um, bomb, uh, bomb compartments or bomb attachments that carried torpedoes. I suppose that makes it slightly more durable. Um I think it gives it a little bit of an edge on on some of them, maybe. Aesthetically, a two. And anybody who has a look at this, you will agree with me. In fact, two might be generous, to be honest. He's, he's fucking ugly. Um, range and speed. A decent speed, a pretty bad range. I think, realistically, we've got to score this about a seven for that. It's not too bad. But it's not, it's not great. Now, as we're talking about weapons, the weapons are not, not great on this aircraft, but they're not the worst in the, on the list. I think a fair score would be a six. Um, because it did, it could carry torpedoes, 
but the bomb capacity wasn't the best. But I think those torpedoes give it an extra couple of points, and that gives it a total score of 15, which is good enough for second last place. I'm going to finish this list now with the eighth aircraft. So we're not doing 10, we're going to do eight for these because the bombers I don't think are... I think once once you do this bomber, there's just no point, to be honest. And I am being a little bit biased here because this is probably the most famous bomber ever in the entire world. We are talking about the B-29 Super Fortress, one of the most famous aircrafts ever to live or ever to grace our skies. So we are talking about an American bomber here. Probably the most famous one is the Enola Gay. For those of you who don't know, I'm pretty sure you know what it did. It dropped the atom bomb. Pretty, uh, pretty scary aircraft. This one is. It's fucking huge. It was introduced in, on May the 8th, 1944. So it was a late entry into the war, but it was retired in 1960. Now, considering the Americans had jet aircrafts in 1960, the fact that this four-engine propelled aircraft was still flying up until 1960 in the American Air Force is a testament to how good this aircraft actually is. It boasted a wingspan of 43.05 metres. It is by far the biggest aircraft of its day. And it, to be honest, I don't even know how it flew. It was bloody heavy as well. It had a full weight, a maximum takeoff weight of 1,300, sorry, 1,133,500 pounds or 60,000 or 60,500 kilos. I mean, how that even got off the ground is unbelievable. The wingspan on it, like I said, is huge. The top speed of it is 357 miles an hour. So for a plane that has that sort of size, that sort of weight, to get that fast is unbelievable. It had a range of 3,250 miles, which is by far the longest on this list. And it boasted a crew of 11 pilot, co-pilot, bombardier, flight engineer, Navigator, radio operator, radio operator, radio operator, radar observer, right and left gunner, central fire control, and a tail gunner. It had 10 machine guns on board and had a payload of 20,000 pounds. It was by far the highest payload of any of the aircraft on this list. And like I said, it dropped the atom bomb. Aesthetically, it's a nine, it's a gorgeous aircraft. Um, but without the British colours, it's never going to be a 10, I'm afraid. Uh, range and speed, again, a 10. And the fact that it dropped the atom bomb, you've got to go with a 10. It was the most powerful aircraft of its day. But we are talking a total score there of 29, which gives the B-29, the Super Fortress, the greatest bomber in the Second World War. We'll just go through the list from bottom to top. In last place, we have the BF-111, followed by the Savoia with 15 points. Joint fifth place, we have the Mitsubishi G4M and the Henkel HE-111. In fourth place, the Sterling with 22 points. In third place, the B-52 Flying Fortress with 24 
In second place, the Arvo Lancaster 27. And like I said, your winner from this episode is the B29 Super Fortress, the Enola Gay that dropped the atom bomb. I hope you all enjoyed that episode and we shall see you next week. I have no idea what we're going to do next week. I might go for tanks. I haven't decided yet, but we've at least covered our fighters and our bombers now from World War Two. Uh, if not, keep your eye out. We don't know what we're going to do. Get yourselves on Facebook. Maybe you'll find out. So get yourselves on there. For those of you who aren't on there, say it every single week. Get onto Facebook, facebook.com, This Week in History. You'll find us on there. And just join the group. You can play along next week with the picture. For those of you who aren't on Patreon, I mentioned this last week. Um, I think it may have had an effect because I did mention that obviously we do this for free. There is no payment. In fact, like I said, I, I actually pay a company called Spreaker who who deal with my podcast. I actually pay them every month um, and I make very little from them. So essentially it's a transaction. I pay them, they put the adverts out. So we make our money off Patreon. Um, so anybody who wants to get over there, it really, really does help the podcast out. It supports me and it keeps me going. Um, and it's something that I really enjoy doing. I love doing these podcasts for you guys. So get yourselves onto Patreon and show me how much you enjoy listening to them. Um, it is pretty simple. It's patreon.com. I have had a couple of guys message me last week um, where I sent the link out to them. So I shall be giving them a shout out if they join. But if you're not sure, you don't know how to do it, message me on Facebook or email me, which is twihpod at gmail.com, and I shall get you the link sent out. Not only that, if you are a Patreon member, I do have to order some more because I have managed to run out of fridge magnets. When I order some more, I shall be sending those out to my new Patreon members if you send me your address. So I know one of you has, but uh, to the new ones, if you haven't sent me your, uh, your address, I can't send it out. But thank you very much for listening, guys, and remember... We all have history, so make yours great. Bye-bye. Bundling car and renter's insurance with GEICO is so easy, your neighbors are probably already doing it. But who? Look for the signs. Chances are they live in a home and have a car. They use money and enjoy having more of it. They probably drink lots of lemonade. Mmm, lemonade. And they've probably said something suspicious like, I'm bundling with GEICO or stop spying on me with those binoculars. If so, you may want to ask them how easy it was to bundle with GEICO. Bundling is easy with GEICO. Just ask your neighbors.